it's me again. Listen, it's called the MacGuffin Report. Movies, TV, American culture. You in? From LA, the MacGuffin Report. Produced by Inclusive Media. This episode, Marie Kondo, Crazy Rich Asians. You guys seen uh, Marie Kondo's new Netflix show? Yes. Yeah, yes. so basically for, for anyone that hasn't been caught up, Marie Kondo has made a rather big splash in the media with her show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. The ultimate respect of her quick influence to American culture is that her name is now a verb. Now, the question that we're going to talk about is, is the criticism of her simple ways of cleaning clutter unfair? Are women treated differently in the media? I do have some quotes that I pulled up about uh, this criticism that we're talking about. Criticism has primarily come from women, women that claim to be feminist. Here we go. I will be convinced that America is only not in decline when our decluttering guru, Marie Kondo, learns to speak English. That's That's from uh, Barbara Ehrenreich, writer of Nickel and Dimed, the uh, famous Nickel and Dime that a lot of us had to read in school. And then uh, here's her follow-up tweet after all the flaming happened. I confess I hate Marie Kondo because, aesthetically speaking, I'm on the side of clutter. As for her language... It's okay with me that she doesn't speak English to her huge American audience, but it does suggest that America is in decline as a superpower. (laughs) America, a superpower? Also from Barbara. Thanks, Babs. Um, (laughs) Let's go on to somebody else. I think her speaking Japanese adds to her fairy-like delicacy and charm. That's from uh, Katha Pollitt, author. And then straight up from Jennifer Wright, this woman is a monster. (laughs) (laughs) There are a few more, but those are kind of the, uh, we'll start with, we'll start with those. Um, I think that's a good jumping off point there. Um, I'm going to throw this one to Oz. What do you think? (laughs) Okay, guys, it's full disclosure time. Uh, I got two things to disclose here. One is uh, I'm a white guy. And the second thing is, yeah, incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah, I got it past you guys. (laughs) Pulling a Rachel Donazal on (laughs) y'all. Oh, uh, God, that's another subject. The, the second thing is this. Politically, I'm a socialist, okay? So now in response to Marie Kondo and everything surrounding her, on the first point, to paraphrase South Park to those people, will you please stop it? You're making the rest of us look stupid, okay? Just quit it. <laughs> Just quit it, please. Okay, now, having said that, I think Marie Kondo is at best a snake oil salesman, and at worst, she is enabling and pandering to the very worst aspects of our consumerist, not capitalist, culture, okay? She is babying a bunch of people who apparently were never told how to clean up their rooms, not to mention manage their credit, Okay, i.e., you don't have to buy every shiny trinket or nice pair of shorts you see at Walmart. Okay, you just don't have to. Okay, the truth is, if that if these people and I watched two or three episodes of this thing, if these people were of a lower income bracket, they'd be on hoarders and we'd all be going, 
what a shame. Look at all this stuff. How can they live like this? But because these people have nice big houses, it's okay to overspend. It's okay to buy stuff you don't need from exploitative companies. And, you know, just keep buying because, oh, guess what? Marie Kondo has consultants. She has an online shop and you can buy her book. Okay. Hashtag first world problems. You've read her boxes. You can buy her boxes too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can buy a box to put stuff away in. Gee, I can't find a box anywhere else. I better go to MarieKondo.com. You know, because I need more stuff, even though I don't. I mean, who are these people that have to say goodbye to the clothes they're throwing away? Who are these people that get joy out of a material thing? I mean, Shouldn't she be addressing kind of the emptiness in these people's lives rather than the emptiness they want in their closet? You know what I thought would be funny is combine this show with Gordon Ramsay, right? Like I do in there like Gordon Ramsay and go, this is disgusting. Throw this away now. What's your problem? You're a slob. I'd love that. So, uh, Walter, what did you have? What do you have to say? Um, well, I had a question for Oz. How did you get to episode three? I was well, going to say, show. yeah. No, I said two or three. No, I jumped around. I jumped around. That's fair. Um, I watched the first one because my wife had seen a few episodes, and she's got this thing about shows with asses in them. Like, her, one of her all-time favorite shows is House, right? Oh, so I thought wa- you meant, like, literal asses. No, I no, was no, like, no, 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 like, like, no. Like I watched like a different heads. version. Like, ass, ass faces, hats. right? Yes. Ass yeah. hats, right? Yeah, something like that, right? And so she wanted me to see the first one because the husband is a total, like, Dick, they're right? both awful. Yeah, of course, of course they Sorry, were. Sorry, guys, if you're Be- listening to this, because I mean, there are people like who think that buying something will make their life better. You know, Th- that's the kind of people they are, and and well, Marie I mean, Kondo not, just kind of reinforces that's not it. True, the, the buying to make yourself feel better. Maybe they're buying the wrong things. Walter, we've been getting this wrong. I yeah. guess. Maybe you guys are buying the wrong things. They clearly <laughs> just need to keep buying house plants. That's what keeps yeah. me afloat. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, the thing. But yeah. that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I can believe that a plant can bring you joy. I love my guinea pigs. I mean, I, I they they make me happy, you yeah. know, but 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 my my clothes don't. I mean, that's just silly. And certainly <laughs> buying them doesn't either. <laughs> I, I think so to me, one of the producers uh, well, maybe all the producers of this Marie Kondo show, I feel like are the same producers of the Dog Whisperer. <laughs> because if you watch the Dog Whisperer, Caesar Milan, Caesar Milan's show, yeah, okay. and like you know, he he teaches them how to train their dogs and stuff. But then he starts going into like the psychology of the person of the dog owner, and it's like, yo, like stay in your lane. I hate to use that <laughs> phrase, but seriously, like. You? Yeah, like, dude, you're a dog trainer. Don't you're not a psychologist, okay? I mean, if you want to help them out, great, but I don't need to see it because I don't believe what you say about people. I believe what you say about dogs, but not about people. And I feel like with this Marie Kondo show, she's kind of like teetering over into psychology, and it's like, you know, just stay in your lane, do the decluttering. Um, I wasn't as angry about the people buying things um, as much as Oz was. For me, I think like to me, Marie Kondo, what she is is she comes in at the time where she helps them realize, you know what? I am spending too much. I am buying too many senseless and needless things. Now I want to change. And I'm, I'm okay with that part. Um, I just think when she teeters into like the psychology of things, it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, unless you're a psychologist or you studied it, let's just stick to decluttering. What I found really interesting in the first episode was is that the two white, the two white people, the couple and the kids walked around their house with no shoes on. But Marie and her translator come in with their shoes on. And I thought, <laughs> hey, What's going on here? Like, why? Why is this like this? Like, 
um, as a Japanese, as a strict Japanese person, they're not supposed to put their, wear their shoes in anyone's homes because it's it's in, a huge indoors sign. and outdoors. Yeah, it's a separate it's a space, total separate space, and it's a huge mm-hmm. sign of disrespect mm-hmm. when you wear your shoes in someone's house. So I thought that was really weird because mm-hmm. Marie is totally Japanese, like she's Japanese Japanese. Um, where you know some people complain that she didn't speak English, and it's like really. Uh, I'm, you know, I would like to ask that woman that what made that comment about her not speaking uh, English. I'm calling her Babs. I'm, She's I'm, Barbara. Yeah, I'm curious to to see if when she goes to a different country and to visit and travel, does she learn the language before she goes? <laughs> That's what I want to <laughs> know. Yeah, like come on, like I mean, and I and I travel pretty like I don't want to say I'm a world traveler, but I've, I've traveled to different countries, and I'm just like a regular American. The countries that don't speak English, I don't like. You know? So that's one. That's one thing that really struck me about this show is Marie Kondo must be huge. Yeah, I mean, because you totally just huge. don't yeah. put somebody that you just don't put subtitles on American TV. You no. just mm-hmm. don't. People I are mean, so offended the, by that. The only other example I could think of is when they first brought Iron Chef mm. over. They dubbed everything except for the guy that only does voiceovers. Yeah, and yeah. they kept him, and they just ran subtitles for him. But they overdubbed everybody else. That's the only example I can think of. Well, yeah. like a major character on a reality show doesn't speak English. They don't voiceover. Uh, the subtitles do not do well. It right. doesn't. It doesn't track mm-hmm. well. But the interesting thing to me is, um, Rachel, have you seen any old kung fu movies? Yeah. With the original dubbing. Yeah. So you know how that voice is like. Hmm, your kung fu is very good. Yeah. Like that. Like Oz and I grew up with stuff like you know, movies like that. They don't do that now because they want the dubbing to be accurate and real. Mm-hmm. But to me, that dubbing was fantastic because as a kid, I actually thought that that's how Chinese people spoke. Right. Like that's how you know. But if you watch a, a so more, you're shocked when I open my mouth. Yeah, I was like, wait, <laughs> you're not speaking correctly. But like, what's what's interesting is that they'll kung fu movies now. Like, if you watch some in like uh in like um like a a black channel, they'll have black people as really? the voices of the kung fu masters, wow. and that's hilarious. Is because wow. it's a completely different. It changes the movie completely. And so with the dubbing with this, I thought it was. To, it was to me too much. To me, I was like, you know what? Marie, either just speak Japanese the entire time and have it subtitled, but don't go in and out. And it's, that was kind of bothersome for me. It just mm. kind of took me like, cause like, for me, subtitles, when they're there, my eyes are focused on the bottom. And then when they're not there, I'm looking elsewhere. And then when she starts speaking, it's like, I got to do the, the up and down motion too much. And it's like, you know what? You're making me work. I'm, I'm trying to relax and watch television. Um, but as far <laughs> as the content of her like decluttering, I thought, like, it's cool. Like it, I mean, because her book was, a, I think, it was a global bestseller. Yeah. yeah. Which these days, books, books, yeah, books don't sell. But for her, it was a global. So that's why they had to make a TV show. I don't see the show lasting like three, multiple seasons just because I feel like it's the same thing. Like, unless there's some new way to clutter up your place that we didn't know about. <laughs> like, I would love to see her and hoarders like meet up. Yeah. Where she goes into a, a low income. But there's no way. Like a hoarder house. And she and I just want to see the reaction in her face. She would love it. You know, the whole like with her whole like, <gasps> like, I think she would faint. I bet you she hasn't even seen what a hoarder's house looks like. Oh, she I'm would sure have nowhere to sit on the floor no. and feel the house. If she yeah, went to a she would have, no, and then you know, does and she Jeez. would probably come into the room. Does this uh, instead of going to each example, like each like piece of clothing, does this bring you joy? She would just say, "Does this whole room bring you joy?" No, okay, let's just get rid of the whole. Bring, room. bring the truck in. Yeah, there was a little too much talking to the clothes. I did find myself, oh. I did find myself folding my clothes the way she did, just to try it out because I never thought to vertically. Uh, stack my clothes. Game changer you know? for me, Walter. Was it a game oh changer? my god! Because I hang most of my clothes except for like my t-shirts. I hang about half of them. Okay, so I hang just my t-shirts. I fold yeah. and underwear and stuff. But like vertically putting them in, I'm like, let's see how this works. And I tell you though, because I'm not used to folding it that way. 
Folding, I hate folding laundry. It took me an extra, I would say, it probably doubled my folding time. Because, But I'm not used to folding <laughs> it this way. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. once I get used to it, I'll, it'll be okay. But I don't know. And, but I'm not going to lie to you. As I was folding it, I was cursing her name. And then the other part of me was like, but Walter, you're the one that decided to fold this way. And then I cursed that side of me. So there's a lot of cursing going on when I was folding uh, my clothing. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I will tell you, like, I've done it and my drawers look awesome now i can see everything like i understand her point of being able to see everything you own yeah and it's just it's just nice i feel like i've walked into a muji store there that is cool yeah that is one thing seeing everything you own because like there's times like like for tools i'll get a tool and i'll bring it home and i go oh i already have this because i don't because i don't see that i have it it. and you forget that too like i have three of those little toolboxes that you can take strip screws out Mm -hmm. and i forget that i have it and then i'll buy it and then I when I put it when I go to put it away, oh I already have two, like I forget what I have, and so with the clothing thing I, I get it to see what you have and I, I go through uh, I purges of my clothes like I go th- and for me my purges aren't because oh I bought too much it's like oh that's out of style now so I can't wear that because I'm really shallow. I want to go back to the second half of the question. Either of you guys can answer this or both. Do you think that she would get this kind of vitriolic hate if she were anything other than a Japanese woman? Um, probably not. She probably wouldn't take as much guff if she weren't. But I I was kind of surprised. Well, I guess I'm not surprised by the racist backlash because, of course, I am a white person. I've been seeing this for half a century now. However, I was kind of surprised by this. I thought that when we were first assigned to watch this show for this podcast, I thought it was going to go in a different way. Uh, I thought it was going to go kind of in the direction of Spike Lee's Magical Negro. Right. Mm. I think one of the reasons why she's so popular is because she's Asian. Right. I keep thinking of this one Seinfeld episode called The Chinese Woman. Right. Where George's mother starts talking to this woman on the phone who calls herself Mrs. Chang or Miss Chang. Right. And she's like, oh, she gave me such great advice. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And then she finally meets the girl that she's been talking to on the phone in real life. And it turns out she's this 30 year old Jewish woman named Changstein. And she goes, I thought I was taking advice from some elderly Chinese lady, not some ditz from Long Island, you know, and and I thought it was going to go that way. I think that, you know, this, I mean, people in this country have been buying the mysticism of the East forever. I mean, I thought that was part of the appeal here. I mean, you know, this is a country where white people think they're Hare Krishnas. You know, so I thought that was the deal. I thought that's why she was so popular. It probably was, yeah. I, mm. I think I think that is why she was so popular. It's yeah. it, it's the vehicle. It's like if a chubby white guy came out with this the same exact book before Marie Kondo did, I don't know that it would be a global hit. Mm. You know, if a black guy came out with it or like a Latino guy, I don't I don't know that it would be a hit. But because it's this cute little teeny tiny Japanese uh, woman. It's like, oh, I think the same listen. thing. I think the same thing worked for Queer Eye for the straight guy. I think if you had had a straight guy, even like, you know, some super cool, you know, I don't know, super fly guy, you know, in there doing it, it wouldn't have sold nearly as well as no, gay yeah. guys. Because we think that, you know, gay guys dress really well. Yeah. That's a stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so, I know gay guys and, that But don't. that was one of the reasons why that show was so popular. Yeah. I mean, my folks aren't very pro gay, but they love that show. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely the vehicle. The vehicle really is important, I think, uh, yeah. with all these things. And Marie just, you know, kudos to her. She's killing it. Yeah, because I mean, because she talks about her home, 
when she lived alone, how teeny tiny it was. But she stopped short of talking about her current home, which I imagine is a huge mansion in Japan. She lives in L.A. now. Oh, she lives in L.A. now. Yeah. So even better. Yeah. Her, her, her house in L.A. It must be like a huge mansion. Probably. And doesn't her husband still live in Japan, according to the first episode, or that changed too? I don't know if he lives there, but he certainly travels a lot. I'm be- sure he works. Yeah, because there was like, you know, oh, you know, I miss my husband because he's in Japan. It's his anniversary. It was our anniversary. Yeah, anniversary. Today. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then so it's like, okay, you have this big house and you're like, you know what? Stay there. You're yeah, like, that. exactly. Who, who is that? There, that one, recently, that one white girl, um, she's like a, a, a YouTube star and her, their, families were, their family was traveling and her husband and kids were in coach while she was in first class. And she's like, well, I work for this. What? It's like, you know what? Just get wow. your whole family first class. If you make enough money to get first class, wow. you can afford to get everyone first class. I don't understand that. Yeah. And, and she was defending herself, you know. But if she was a minority, a person of color, oh, the hate would have just poured down on her. White privilege, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I get some of that? Yeah. You can't. Just deal with it. You're coming close. I you're, mean, you're, you're, we're, we're, we're fancy Asians, though. You know, <laughs> Ali Wong you know, says fancy and then jungle Asian. Like, she has those two dichotomies. She's half of each. And, huh. you know, like, if you're a certain, if you look like a fancy Asian, there is a certain amount of privilege we're given. But it's, you know, it's only because we're, it's lent to us if we uh, want to get into critical studies yeah, I'll, here. I'll translate I, the f- fancy and jungle for you guys. Fancy, what she means, well, I don't know if she, Ali means this, but fancy is like the big three. The Chinese, Japanese, Korean. And then the jungle Asians are, are like whatever was left over in the South. They're darker. Wow. Their ang- their language when you're different. all categorized in one on 23 yeah. and me, you're a jungle Asian. And then when I when I say this on I say, really? I say this I found on stage. Out I'm, I'm part jungle Asian. Oh, you wow. see, I'm very proud. There you, there you go. You, sh- you you shouldn't be, but okay. Yeah. It's not totally, I'm, I'm totally not kidding. I'm totally not kidding. Uh, <laughs> 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 and this is totally off topic, but the big three, if, if you have the other Asians, they always want to upgrade. So if they're dating a big three, no one says anything. But if you're a big three and you date the other Asians, people say stuff. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. It's just, you know, it, it, but every culture, I don't want to say, I don't want I hate lumping Asians into one culture because we have so many different cultures. Yeah. But like, um, like, let's say, like, just for instance, black people, they have dark skinned black people, light skinned black people, where there's inner racism there. And Latinos have a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. We have dark Latinos and light skinned Latinos. Um, and with Asians, there is a dark and light thing as well. Uh, but I'm just, um, making it more of a big picture thing with big three and then, you know, everyone else. And I know people listening think, oh, you're so racist and you're absolutely correct. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit racist. <laughs> Thanks, Avenue Q. <laughs> so I think where a lot of this hate was initially stemming from was that she explained, I think it was in her book, that she personally keeps no more than 30 books at a time Mm -hmm. because that's what she can handle and this might have been before she was married with kids and her huge LA mansion she probably has a room for a library now but at the time she wrote the book she tried to keep no more than 30 books now people took this the wrong way and they were like she is against intellectualism (laughs) she's against being literate (laughs) and get your hand well I think it was get your tiny fairy hands off of my book was something that was published in the New York Times wow. by, uh, I forget who the author was, but I was just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And this just Sadly opened up, not. you know, so much stuff, so much hate towards her. She reads to her kids every day. Like she says in one of the episodes, that's part of her routine. Something's missing if she doesn't get to read to her kids. Also, she says that she's in her book, she's more comfortable being around objects than people. She's kind of an introvert. She's she feels awkward around people. She doesn't hate books. They're objects. Yeah. You know? Um, That's so it's just, insane. It, it's, 
you look at too a lot of the criticism i've read several articles about this um, at the there's a convention for professional organizers there were quotes just from that that was that took up pages and pages and pages that i could have copied and pasted just to read here but the amount of hate she was getting and i was trying to break it down and figure it out and it was the only thing i could come up with was insecurity and jealousy like oh, yeah. these professional yeah, she's organizers more successful, yeah she's doing period. better she's right. you know she doesn't look like them maybe but you know this it, it comes down to that i was even talking to um someone who is like addressing kind of the the woo-woo-ness of her eastern culture that's brought into her method and i personally i don't know i don't i don't do all of these methods and or necessarily agree with them but it's this is what worked for her Mm -hmm. she put it in a book tons of people bought it not her fault um (laughs) and uh this girl that i was talking to she was like it's just it's just all it's nonsense to me and i'm like that's fine but i can actually when i watch marie kondo i can relate to it like there's a certain amount of religious animism that does come with asian culture Mm -hmm. you respect your stuff yeah like you worked hard to earn the money to buy that thing you treat that thing with respect you don't walk in and just i mean some of us do we can like we toss our things on the floor but like you treat your things with respect i don't always i do talk to my things sometimes but (laughs) i actually found when i was i i decluttered i did this as an experiment i decluttered seven trash bags of clothing (laughs) in the span of two weeks, seven trash bags, all went to Goodwill. And like, I tried the, you know, just to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit, just to see what it's like, uh-huh. thanking my objects before, you know, giving it away. I, I stopped halfway oh, through just because no. I had seven no. trash bags. <laughs> no. I stopped halfway through and I was like, I can't keep this up. But, you know, there is something to be said. Like, I did notice though, I was like, oh, I do have a connection to my personal effects. Mm-hmm. I do have a connection to it. I don't think that they're, you know, demigods the way it would be in certain asian cultures like in shinto culture there's a lot of animism but you know there is a sort of relationship is a strong word but there is there is meaning there is a bond there's meaning to that where i where i allow a certain amount of respect to an object and i feel that not that it's alive or anything but there's a certain amount of respect that it's it's difficult for me to verbalize but it's certainly not something that we have in American culture, it's something definitely that I've brought over from my Asian mm-hmm. culture. So I thought that was really, that was kind of like an insightful thing for me watching this and then going through the um, KonMari method. Now, that being said, I watched the show and I wouldn't watch the entire, I didn't watch the entire season. I don't think it will, I don't I don't think it should go for another yeah. season because I think they're capped out. Yeah. But to what you guys were saying about it being awful first world problems, yes, <laughs> yes. Crazy Rich Asians, based on the book by Kevin Kwan and directed by John Chu. It stars Constance Wu, Henry Golding, Michelle Yeoh, and Gemma Chan. It's a romantic comedy with an all-Asian cast. The story revolves around an economics professor, Constance Wu, who is invited by her boyfriend, Henry Golding, to attend his best friend's wedding in Singapore. As they fly in first class to Singapore, she starts to get the inkling that her boyfriend may be more well-off than he has been letting on. An extravagant fish-out-of-water story that hits all the rom-com notes, but also rises to something unique in the genre. It was a wildly successful movie, grossing over $230 million. It is the most successful rom-com in the last 10 years. Rachel, since you're Asian, I'll ask you last. Uh, <laughs> so what, how'd you feel about Crazy Rich Asians? I mean, um, 
it didn't suck. <laughs> again, again, I feel like this was kind of an average movie, but I will say this. What I thought was really interesting was is that this movie, pretty average, really Hollywood movie. You know, not necessarily a bad thing. I don't dislike Hollywood movies. I like the Hollywood formula. I'll defend something like Titanic until the day I die. I really like Hollywood movies when they're done well. So in this respect, it was nice. But I'll tell you what. This film is bookended by two of my favorite scenes of any movies last year. I love the first bit in the London Hotel. Mm. You know, because again, it's show-not-tell filmmaking. And I love the ending, the Mahjong scene. Oh my God, what a killer scene, right? And I think the key here is Michelle Yeoh, who's yes. playing a dramatic she's character. She's both of those scenes. Right, she's playing a dramatic character in the midst of what is otherwise a goofy love story with Ken Jeong in it. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, 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 and I also wanted to bring this up because I can't believe I forgot to mention this on earlier podcast, but Michelle Yeoh is also the biggest badass in Star Trek Discovery right now. Oh. So it's another excuse yes, to watch is. it. I know. That would be the main <laughs> she reason is I watched it. She's killing it on that show. But I, 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 you know, I thought this movie was okay. I, 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 I should ask you guys, but I mean, how much of this do you think honestly reflects greater Asian culture when we're really talking about the 1%? Mm-hmm. You well, know what I mean? Like, I, so earlier I stated, like, I don't, I don't like um, saying Asian culture because we have so many different cultures right, within Asia. Right. And so this is, uh, Crazy Rich Asians is, I don't even want to say it's Singapore culture, but they're Singaporean. Uh, and and, and um, Constance's character is Chinese. Mm-hmm. It's, it's different. It's a different world. And then throw in the 1%. That's a completely different world. Yeah. You know, within the different world, there's another different world. Yeah, everybody's living in the damn Taj Mahal. Yeah. yeah everybody's speaking mm-hmm. perfect English. I mean, yeah. come on now. It's, it, it's, like, a compl- wow. it's a different... Because, you know, Singapore is... I don't know if you guys have been. It's a country where uh, English is one of three primary languages. Um, and the rich and the wealthy... I don't want to say rich, but the wealthy that are there, they live in a different world it's just a in, in any in any country like even here the the one percent of the one percent live in a different world than than we're accustomed to and that we're even aware of and in singapore it, it's that it's that divides even further because singapore is a rich nation to begin with and then you have you know people think oh well everyone there's no slums there's no homeless blah 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 but you still have the one percent of the one percent that i mean a, a toyota corolla and i'm not exaggerating at all for you to drive that a toyota corolla for 10 years, it's 120 grand for a Toyota Corolla because the car price is doubled. You have to pay a license fee, a usage fee, and all these things. It adds up to about 120 grand. So if you have a Ferrari in Singapore, <laughs> you're uber wealthy. Like you are the 1% of the 1%. And that world is completely different. And so when people they, they crazy rich Asians, oh, it's Asian culture. No, no, no. First of all, it's set in Singapore. It's Singapore culture. And, China, and, and it's the Chinese people that live in Singapore. It's a little bit different. And also, they're the one percent of the one percent. So they're not. So I know a lot of Malaysians and Singapore, like a lot of the Malay that live in Singapore, were complaining about crazy rich Asians. Oh, we're not represented. And I wanted to tell mm. them it's not about you. The movie's not about you. Yeah. You're not yeah. rich. <laughs> You're just crazy. Like you know, it's not. It's not one of those things. <laughs> right. Um, right. See, that's what I thought was interesting because when I went into this, I thought it was about crazy rich Asians, but it's actually about crazy rich. Yeah. Asians. I did wonder why there was no hyphen there. <laughs> right. Well, why, why be, I'll tell you why. Because grammar has gone to the wayside. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. They don't know what com- people don't know what commons mean. Godless nation. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Godless. <laughs> Rachel, how'd you feel about the movie? 
I really liked it. It was a, I went to see it three times in the theater. It was either three or four times in the theater to support. Uh-huh. Um, I even considered like buying a ticket like a couple of times and just not going because I was like, oh, I got to work. But <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to go. <laughs> um, I went with friends and things like that because a lot of them hadn't seen it. And I was like, I will go with you. Two times out of the three or four, I walked out sobbing. Wow. I was crying. Really? Um, just wow. because the last time we had something like this, apparently, it was 25 years ago, Joy Luck mm. Club. Oh, mm-hmm. so it was not the movie per se, but like what the movie brought with it. Yeah, there were okay. moments in the actual movie where I was like, I teared up, like I the see. scene where her mom comes and, you know, is like, comes to take care of her. And uh-huh. she, that like the moment when she like, she just, she's crying and she's in bed and the win- the windows are closed. Constance is just like, after the kind of breakup, she's. And she croaks, mom. Like, I was uh-huh. just like, oh. Um, got me in a little teary-eyed. Um, but yeah, just representationally, that was, it was super powerful mm-hmm. for me. I guess a little bit of backstory. I, I grew up in a white area of Los Angeles. Most of my friends were white. And there was, there was just something about growing up watching primarily white media that makes you go, oh, I was born the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a long time to unpack this, but I realized like, oh, I, I actually thought that, you know, there was, there were days where it's just like, man, why do I have my, you know, my, my tan, like peasant farmer skin? Like uh. I tan really easily. And of course, like all my white friends are like, let's go out tanning today. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I don't want to get darker because then my grandma will call me a peasant, but. Um, <laughs> or, but jungle it, or jungle Asian. Or jungle Asian. Asian. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, back to how the movie just made me feel. It was just going into, you know, my local theater where they only show the big movies, mm-hmm. seeing somebody that kind of looks like me, just seeing all sorts of types of, you know, representations of Asian mm-hmm. on the screen made me feel seen and made me feel valuable. It made me feel like I don't have to hide. I can be proud about the way that I look because Mm -hmm. there's something to that. I don't have to wish that I were white. I mean, it's been, you know, that was something that I struggled with as a kid and I didn't realize that I did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like you, you watch TV, you watch cartoons, everybody's white. So you just grow up thinking like, oh, you know, it was a bad roll of the dice for me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm always gonna be the peripheral character. I'm always gonna be uh, the 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 comic relief or the best friend. Mm-hmm. But realizing that oh, there's a story out there. There's a couple stories out there now that you know I can be the main character. Yeah. I'm I'm still unpacking like why I was crying walking out of the theater that those two days. But I think that's um, a majority of it. There was a. A writer for, I think it was either the Atlantic or Huffington Post, but um, she tweeted about how she wish, wishes she weren't Asian. And it started when her dad was would bring her lunch uh-huh. during school and kids would make fun of her for oh, her yeah, lunch. Yeah. And she had a lot of that. moments like that where yeah. she, would, she would just button up the scene with, I wish I wasn't Asian. Uh-huh. And that hit me really hard because I didn't realize that I had so much self-loathing as a child like I just thought like oh no this is just how it feels to be a person and I'm like no I had there was I had a lot of self-resentment in the way that I looked and the way that I was and the way that I brought was brought up to be 
now I'm, you know, proud of it. Yeah. But that took a lot of work and a lot of unpacking to do. So, you know, I can, this isn't like a movie review per se, but just kind of my general experience of that. Mm -hmm. um, it was, yeah, it was a really powerful moment for me. For me, when I take this movie, Crazy Rich Asians, I have two reviews for it. One uh, is is like kind of like the movement aspect of it in that in 25 years, this is the first movie since Joy Luck Club to have an all-Asian cast. And I thought, oh, this is, this is um, one of those moments where it's like I don't want to say groundbreaking because it's not but it's 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 a momentous occasion for me for that movie the director the writer and all the actors and actresses it was great um to see that on screen um they're all speaking english uh you know uh, i some of them had accents which was great i thought it was cool to, for them to do that and they were accurate too and they're accurate yeah now, the movie review part, not that I'm an expert in romantic comedies. I just watch a lot as a hobby. Um, I just thought it was just okay as a romantic comedy. The, uh, it, it just hit all the beats that it need to, needed to hit. I think if there is a part two, which I think they're supposed to be because yeah. it's supposed to focus on there Gemma are, and yeah, Harry Shem. Yeah, slated for that. Um, good luck with Harry. I've seen his work. Good luck. I just don't know that he's going to be able to carry that movie. Henry, can, Henry it, it, honestly, Henry it was is... They found him out of luck. Um, he just happens to be a, a decent actor, and he's a good-looking guy. Because wasn't he like an anchor, like a broadcast? He, was, he, he did like, not reality, he did like um, news shows. Oh, he was a reporter? Yeah, that re but not a serious reporting. It was more like travel. Oh, like travel oh yes. Reporting. No, yeah, you're yeah. right. He was, yeah. And he just happens to be a decent actor. They got really lucky. I've seen Harry. Unless Harry had gotten a lot better, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Gemma, I thought, was great. Gemma's classy. Yeah. Constance, to me, is a TV actress hmm. she just does not have the looks or the range that like um to me like constance played a, a quote-unquote sexy role in the classic usa show royal pains with mark first i don't know if you guys ever saw that show anyhow uh she played the sexy role and i thought wow no you're more of a cute kind of just maybe pretty role can you break down the difference between a tv and a movie actor for people that aren't in the industry there it's uh, a lot has to do with how we as an audience perceive them and mm -hmm. we allow them. And it, it, it sounds crazy, but it's what the audience allows. George Clooney started in Facts of Life and I think he did, I forgot what the ER. show was. ER. No, ER. but before ER, oh. he did something. He did like, he was recurring. Then he got ER. Then he did feature films while he was doing ER and we accepted him as a movie star because there was something about him that drew us to him and we said, you know what, that's a movie star. Denzel Washington started in TV at St. Elsewhere. Then he went, went to movies, and we accepted him as a movie star. David Boreanaz, who was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, tried to do feature films. We did not accept him. But what was great about David and his people is that, you know what? We're not, you're not a movie star. Let's just stay in TV. He's in series after series after series. Like Nathan Fillion. Yeah, Nathan Fillion, Fillion is a classic. Kiefer Sutherland. Movie. They all tried to do feature films. Just didn't work out. And there's something there's something to that. Henry, I think, has he's got something going on, and hopefully he he capitalizes on it. Uh, Constance, to me, is just there's just something I just don't see her as a movie star. Gemma, on the other hand, she's got that thing. There's just something there where, uh, and, it, and it's hard to really kind of describe because it's, it's it's not quantifiable. It's just you either have it or you don't. Tom Cruise, for as many people as hate Tom Cruise and his movies, there's something about him. That when you watch it, he's got this charisma. Yeah, it's charisma. And, and yeah. he could play a Japanese guy. 
and have the movie <laughs> succeed. Oh, wait, he did oh, do that. Yes. He did do that. I yes. think I saw that. And he made it yeah. work. He made it work, you know? Did um, he? I saw Mummy. I saw Mummy. And, you know, because of that movie, they stopped that whole, like, monster series that they were going to do. Yeah. I yeah, saw it. Yeah. it. It wasn't bad, yeah. you know? But if someone else was in it, it would have been horrible. But there's just something to, um, a t- like, an actor or an actress becoming that movie star. You know, it's not just with TV, it's a battle of attrition. You keep you keep going at it as an actor. You you get a guest spot, then you get a recurring, and then hopefully you get a pilot, and then you get a series regular. There's that battle of attrition. With feature films, you either have it or you don't. And there is obviously other things in play, but there's something to that. And I don't know that Constance got, has that movie star quality to me. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people disagree. They're gonna be like, oh, you're wrong, and that's great. You're but, racist. Yeah, That's I'm racist. I am racist <laughs> against Chinese people. But I think if you give it like 10 years and let's see how many movies Constance books. And I just don't think she's got that. For the ter- secondary or tertiary character, no problem. Put in Constance. But as that female lead, because to me, I, I, I like the old adage of for the guy movie star, good looking guy that every guy wants to be. Um, and for the woman, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a woman that every guy wants to be with and every woman wants to be. And I, 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 that to me is like quintessential Hollywood starlet actor. But I think there's something to that. And for me, um, this Crazy Rich Asians, that sequel, that story better be top notch mm. um, to continue the success. Because I don't know that Harry can, can sell a movie. Harry cannot sell the movie. Crazy Rich Asians sold with Henry Golding because it was this movement of an all Asian cast. And it was a perfect storm of we haven't had a romantic comedy in a long time. It is a perfect storm too. And yeah. it was just everything. If we ha- if this came out uh in the 90s with ha- like with like what how to lose a guy in 10 days and all all those romantic comedies, it would not have fared nearly as well. I would even say if it came out 2 years before it did, yeah. it wouldn't have It just would just this perfect storm of If it had come out before my big fat Greek wedding, it probably would have tanked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just but as long as it came out after that, that's yeah. what it, I think that's that what one it made really me think of. Yeah. That's what it made yeah. me think of my big fat Greek wedding because it hit a lot right. of the cultural notes without being yeah. too on the nose. And it, like you said, you know, watching big fat Greek wedding, none of us have lived in Greece, but like right. watching it, there's something about it where it's like, oh, I get it. Like you know, everybody has that person in their family that does the Windex thing, but it's not Windex; it's with something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you get it. It's the accessibility. It. Yeah, but, it's but accessible. Mm-hmm. With Crazy Rich Asians, there is no accessibility. There was only one scene of accessibility, and that was when um, they were in Singapore and they were eating at a hawker center. Yeah, because that everyone does. Yep. No matter how rich or poor you are, everyone does. Actually, rich people don't do; they don't eat at hawker centers in Singapore. But that's the one accessible scene. That we had, so I believe that that seemed really cool. Yeah, I wanted, and to, then, I wanted to go there. Yeah, when you go to <laughs> Singapore, that's yeah. where you go. You go to hawker centers. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I think that sequel for Crazy Rich Asians, I hope it's very successful for them, and I, I say them on purpose because it's it's for them. You know, um, mm-hmm. the actors that are in it, they think it's for everybody, but let's be honest, they're the only ones getting extra roles. They're the ones that are getting everything. So, and I, and I'm I'm happy. I'm not jealous or there's no bitterness at all. I just I just hope and pray that 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 script that comes out for the second one really just takes the romantic comedy to another level because in that way it can continue and i think that's what opens doors um because if they keep that same storyline yeah that weak storyline uh in the crazy in the crazy rich asians it's just not going to do well it, it won't sustain itself uh, they really need to step their game up on that uh hopefully they do and uh also michelle yo should play captain Giorgio in the uh Oh, Michelle should play everything. You know, you know for I me, grew up yeah. loving her. She was my icon. Like She's her awesome. and Tia Carrera, I was like, Tia I aspire Tia to either of them. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, I okay. love them. No, I'm 
No, I love them both. Like, this is me talking as, like, a six-year-old, okay? Like, I don't know what I was looking at, but, like, I know that they're both badasses. And, like, you know, I kind of look like them, you know, compared to, like, Xena, the other badass (laughs) in my life. Don't really look like Lucy Lawless, and that's okay. Um, But it was just, like, watching her. I think the first time I saw Michelle Yeoh was in a Jackie Chan movie because I was obsessed with Mm, Jackie Chan movies as a kid. And do you guys know which one it was? That she she's was in, in a few. Um, I don't have to know look this up later. Yeah, she was you in, got to. She's yeah. in, she's in a few. She's, she's in a few, yeah. and I was like, "Who is this chick?" And she's she is a martial artist. Yeah. all of that is real. Yeah. So like, you know, she can carry a movie. She can. Yeah. She has. She has. That. She's got. The, she's yeah. got it. Whatever the it is, she's definitely yeah. got it. And like seeing her in, uh, is it Tomorrow Never Dies? The James mm-hmm. Bond movie. Mm. I was like, "Whoa, an Asian Bond girl that like you know doesn't get got later." Like yeah. she, and then the first time, <laughs> the first time she actually kisses James Bond is at the very end of the movie. Like she makes him earn it. Yeah, no, she's great, and I think when it's her non-martial art work mm-hmm. that really sets her apart because you're like, "Oh, you know what?" Because what what the the attraction of martial artists in movies or martial art movie actors is that they can't act. Mm, yeah, but that's Michelle the, can act. That's the thing. Mm. Like she can act. You know, uh, like they say, oh, well, Chiyun Fat. He even though he did martial art movies, he wasn't considered a martial artist. He was more of an actor. Yeah, I don't. And became a martial, him artist. martial artist. Yeah, but like Jet Li, Jackie Chan. They weren't considered good actors, but Michelle is like there's gravity to her, um, and she carries like she carries the scenes. And when she's on that scene with Constance, I'm I'm sorry, but because I'm not a, I, I like Constance, but. I think Michelle just far outweighs her, and I just don't know that she can. She held her own. She kind of. I felt like to me, Constance was barely holding on for dear life. See, really, see, I felt like that Michelle was giving her enough space. I thought that in that scene, I mean, you could tell the talent level. Yeah. But I thought that she was handing that baton just well enough. I thought that she wasn't overpowering that scene. Which is okay. one of the reasons why I thought it was so good. I mean, the delivery when she knocks over the tiles is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. And I mean, there's no words there. You know, no, she yeah. didn't even say anything, yeah. and that was good. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you notice Michelle's not even in that shot. You know, so, so it's like, I, 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 I thought that she played it. I thought Constance would have played it well, that scene. Michelle wasn't in the shot because the, the real scene was she did a kick uh, and kicked her in the face. Right. <laughs> they left that one on the floor, yeah. though. They left that one on the floor. I, I need to get this version that yeah, you, you guys are getting. That you spent fifty dollars on the wrong version. Yeah, let clearly, me tell you. Clearly, I think that was the DC Comics yeah. version of, of this movie. It got all dark at the oh end. Oh my gosh, she should be in. She should be in one of the superhero universes, Michelle. Yeah. Oh yeah. This has been the MacGuffin Report with Rachel Wong, Oz Davis, Walter Hall. Produced by Inclusive Media.